Thanks for joining us, swimmers and swimmers. I'm Garrett McCaffrey, and with us today is the associate head coach of the University of Virginia, Tyler Fenwick. This is the Swim Swam Podcast. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Garrett. It's really good to see you. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've known you since you picked me up from the airport in Knoxville, Tennessee, <laughs> back in like 2008. Um, it was awesome. Still, yeah, you were still just the assistant at Tennessee at that point. Hadn't gone out to a mission and really made distance swimming cool again. Um, but you already had that, uh, you know, you had that awesome persona where I just, I think anybody who's met you wants to be friends with you. And so it's really good it, to first and foremost, catch up with you. And I guess like, just as friends, I got to ask at Virginia, it has, uh, this is your fifth year, um, Mm -hmm. going, going into NC two A's as the defending champions on the ladies side, top 10 and the guys best finish in a long time. I mean, both things, both programs are rolling. Mm -hmm. How did you get here, man? How did this (laughs) so well? I can remember being on deck at NCAA's, I guess it was Indianapolis, and, and Todd was there. And we, um, we talked some, but I, uh, I, you know, I, I knew him, but I didn't, I didn't know him that well. But I always saw his energy. And it was, it's electric energy, and it's contagious. And I think when he called me and asked if I wanted to be part of, of what he was going to do at UVA, I, I just, I made the move and I'm, I'm really glad I did. We've had a blast. Um, as we were talking about before the interview, our entire staff has stayed together this whole time. So we've seen the program grow from, from where it was when we took over to where it is now and couldn't be more proud, proud of the kids on the team and, um, and the coaches on the staff. It's, um, it has been a roller coaster and it's been really fun. How, how would you break it down if you had to kind of get into, like, literally, how did you guys do this? It's been pretty amazing how quickly it's come together. It's got to start with recruiting. Um, yeah, how for did sure. you guys do recruiting different that allowed you guys to be yeah. so successful as a new program, essentially? Well, I think one thing that's cool about the composition of our staff, like, Wes Foltz, Todd, and I, we're CAA guys. So we came from mid-majors, like – Blair came from a smaller school. So it's, um, we right off the bat promised each other, no matter how good we got, we would still recruit um, like we were at middle of nowhere um, school. And um, how's that different than recruiting at a big five school? Well, I think the kids come to you um, a lot more when you're at a power five school. And what what we told ourselves is we're just going to recruit our tails off. So we don't have recruiting directors. Everyone is a recruiting director at UVA. Everyone's working the phones, texting, um, just getting involved. And we all share that passion for it and the energy. Like what even right now, we're about to recruit the 2024 class. Like we already know the names. We're so excited. We're seeing what they're doing um, at meets and, and we're amped about it. And we can't wait for June 15th to get on the phone. 
So that's, that's the approach we take and it's the mindset we have and it, it's worked well. So that's the grind that has made you so successful. We were also mm -hmm. talking before the interview started about that family and how that grown beautiful family. <laughs> how do yes. you put boundaries around that recruiting so that you still have the quality time with the family? Cause you could be on that sure. text message all day, every day, right? I could. And, and I think there's a give and take to that. And um, I mean, we, the, the phone works 24 seven, 365. Like I, I could be on that Christmas day. I think there have been boundaries and one discovery I made a few years ago and I've stuck to this. Kids can talk during the week. They can talk during the day, during the week. A lot of kids have study halls and free periods or they get out of practice early um, or they, they go to school late. There's, there's a lot of openings. And so what I try to do is protect my evenings. So I'll protect um, nighttime because when I get home, that's that sometimes that's the first time I see my daughter all day and we love to play. We play hard. And um, that's that time is really precious to me because I know she's not going to be two and a half forever. And um, she loves her dad. So it's like last night we took a great family walk all around our neighborhood with our dogs. And like that's that's very precious time, not just to me, but to our family. And um, so there are boundaries that are on it and, and those are important. I think the other time you can recruit, I can recruit, find spots on the weekend, two hours here. This is my recruiting block. And um, it's, uh, I think it's important to have that planned out. Talk about some of the things at UVA that sell themselves. You know, obviously you've got just sure. a reputation, academics. Talk about how, uh, how some of the things that you'll go over with the recruit, but most of them are already on board and excited about. Sure. I mean, the first part is our campus is gorgeous. It is just a classic American college campus. Thomas Jefferson founded university of Virginia. So in, he was, he was very interested in architecture. This was kind of his brainchild at the end of his life. So got to put it into fruition, but, um, it's, it's white columns, it's red brick. Uh, we have all four seasons here. So one, it's, it's beautiful. Um, two, as you said, there's, it's, it's, it's a great academic school. We have a wonderful alumni base. Um, we, one of our alumni, um, Zach Fong, who graduated a few years ago and, and we've worked together on this, is just creating a swimming and diving alumni networking system um, and mentoring program. So our alumni are very active with our student athletes, um, not just within swimming and diving, but a university in general. Um, and it's cool because they show up. I mean, we've had away meets at other schools, alumni weekends, and we've had more alumni there than they do. And that's, that makes swimming really fun. I think that another thing about our program is we're all, again, fairly young as a staff. Todd and I are, are the oldest. Todd's 43. I'm 41. Um, Blair and Wes are in their 30s. We have uh, Andrew, who's in his 30s. And then we have volunteer assistants who are in their 20s. Um, Drew Livingston is, um, is in his 30s. So it's, um, it's a staff that has the juice. And I think that that appeals to a lot of people. And for the most part, we're extroverts. So we get on the phone with people, we could talk all day and, and keep them interested. And, but we bring that energy to the pool deck 
And I think that when you think about your college career, you think about the four years you're going to spend in college, it's, it's really about what each day is going to look like. And a day at Virginia is, is a pretty awesome day. And um, we, um, we make sure that when kids come onto the pool deck and they're in the pool, they're having fun. They're smiling. And we get a lot more out of them with that perspective and, and that sort of an environment. The energy is, I mean, I can feel it talking to you. I've felt it since the second I met you. I mean, it definitely is Mm -hmm. something that you've always brought. And so it makes Mm -hmm. sense that Todd's energy also appealed to you. I like to think that I bring energy as a coach on deck and I've been thinking more as I get older and I'm coming off of conference and I was sick for the last weekend because Mm -hmm. I, I guess I just drained myself. Is sure. it sustainable? Is that kind of energy as we get older? Because it's great as young sure. coaches. Is it yeah. something that you talk about? How do we sustain this energy in recruiting on the sure. deck, bringing it on a daily basis? Because it's mm-hmm. easy to just put it all into one area, but you're saying you're bringing it in both of those areas. Yeah. Are you getting harder as you're getting older and having other things pulling you away from even uh, outside of the team, like family and stuff? Is it, is it getting harder? It's a great question. And it's not, it's actually, it's gotten easier. Um, and I know that might, might sound weird. Like we have, we have a baby on the way in June. I have a two and a half year old, like my husband. Um, and there, there is a lot in, in my life, but we're really competitive. Very, every single person on our staff is immensely competitive and we love to win. And so I think that that fuels us. I think the other thing is we've, we've seen a level of success at Virginia. So we know that what we're doing for the most part is working. We're, we're learning from the things that don't work, but it's, we're able to see that the direction that we're heading is, is one that is successful. And I think that that helps with the buy-in and that helps with the energy too. I'll, I'll tell you when my alarm goes off in the morning, I am ready to get to the pool. Like I am not hitting the snooze button. I am ready to get there. I'm ready to see our staff. I'm ready to see our kids. It's, it's exciting. And we love what we do. We love Virginia and we love what we do. And that, that makes it a lot easier to sustain. Are you excited about the set that you wrote the night before? I mean, let's talk about, Oh training. yeah. You guys got to be <laughs> doing something right in the water. Cause recruiting is one thing, but you've yeah. taken top recruits and turned them into Olympians. So what are you guys doing so right with training? It's crazy. Our training, it, it is, um, it's all over the place. So it's kind of controlled chaos to a degree. Um, I'll explain it to you. We have four primary groups. But that doesn't mean that that's an island or a silo that someone goes to every day for four years. It's most kids on the team, um, the vast, vast majority train with every coach on our staff at least once a week, if not more. So we have great coaches on our staff and we like to utilize that. And I think that hearing the same voice every day can get stale, especially over a four year period. And so Todd came up with the idea of moving, shifting things around. So as a primary coach, you're more in charge of, okay, of what a plan is for a week. What is their weekly plan? What's their monthly plan? What's their plan for the season? And then it's, it's putting them in the right spots. 
So it's, it made it like last week I was running, um, some of the 200 strokers for the women that are headed to NCAAs. Um, and other day I was working with Alex and Gretchen Walsh and other day I've got the four IMers and other day I'm doing, um, distance with the mile kids, but all our coaches can train anything from sprinting all the way through the, the longer distance stuff. So we move around a lot. We talk a tremendous amount as a staff to make sure that we're on the same page of who's doing what. And then we send our kids. So there's, there's no possession of athletes that are in our primary groups. We trust everybody on the staff. And when we started doing it, we didn't know if, if the athletes would like it and if they'd be comfortable with it. They love it. They really love it. And we just try to get groups of people that are doing similar things together so that they can race every day. And it's, um, it's fun. It's fun as a coach too. It sounds amazing, but it sounds like it takes a lot of communication as a coach and not just like on deck. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what we're doing today. Planning and meet every week, multiple times a week. No, we don't really meet at all. (laughs) Oh, we text all the time, email all the time. I guarantee you when I'm done this interview, I probably have 20 texts from the staff that, that I, I missed. It's, um, so we're talking constantly. We make sure no one walks onto our pool deck, not knowing what they're doing. We, we email our plans out to our, to our primary groups every week. We email, um, on Sundays as a staff and talk about what, um, each coach is going to be doing during the week. So it's, it's very clear. We also meet with the kids a lot. So I know like I, I meet with the kids in my primary group. We do FaceTimes once every four weeks. Todd's meeting with the entire team individually three times a year. He has those, those times, um, spaced out throughout the season, but there is tremendous communication, um, not just to a group, but individually too. We also keep our roster small. So I think right now we have 23 women, 24 women on our roster. We, we have 25 on the men's side and really we try to keep it at 26 and below. So that helps as well. We look at what we do as more of a boutique style um, as opposed to a machine, we're just running people through. So, um, we want to make sure that everybody's getting what they need, what we feel they need, what they feel they need. And to have a roster that's much larger than that, um, it'd be, it'd be much more difficult. Do you guys offer multiple practices? Let's say if they have some kind of academic conflict or anything, or is it just everybody kind of on the same schedule? Uh, well, we try to keep everybody on the same schedule, but again, we're at UVA. So kids have classes that they need to take at certain times. So what we do is we'll run workouts in the middle of the day. And, um, and so I know all first semester I had a, I had a young man in my group who on Mondays um, needed to come in at one o'clock. And what I find with those workouts is they're really good because they're one-on-one. And you can really, really tailor them at that point for, for that specific person. And um, I think it's great just for relationships. Uh, get to talk a lot during those workouts with people. And um, it's so we're, we're constantly each semester creating blocks where workouts are. And, and we do those for the convenience of the athletes. We understand they're under a lot of stress. They, they perform at a high level in the classroom. And we respect that. 
How do, uh, how do weights fit in? Are you guys lifting before practices, after practices? How are you guys figuring that all into the equation? Yeah, so weights are always before. Dry land and weights are always before, and we don't want people to get hurt. And we really, really value our time in the weight room. So this, what we're doing right now with our NCAA group is they're lifting together Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7 a.m. They go from seven to eight and then we'll go over to the pool for an hour after that and train. Um, and then we'll come back like this afternoon and we'll train for, for two hours. So it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We had a small group of athletes, about eight that were lifting four times a week, um, this semester and, and they'll, they'll cut back now headed into NCAAs. But yeah, weights, wait, Todd says weights are the most important thing we do. So it's, um, that, that, takes that takes center stage yeah is is 7 a.m the earliest morning they have yes that's wonderful that's really yeah, well, nice to be able to use very that time that early it's intentional and it's something we learned during covid so during covid we we had a little actually we had a little more flexibility with when we could train and so we started training at 7 a.m for a semester um and we loved it and so when things got back to, I guess, whatever normal is nowadays, um, we talked as a staff and um, Todd decided to run all morning practices at 7 a.m. Now, we will have some people with conflicts. It's, it's not many, but we will have some that will train at 6 on certain days. But for the most part, we're all training at 7 a.m. And you're right. Like, sleep is sleep's everything. If you don't, if you don't have your your seven, eight, nine hours of sleep, you're eventually that's going to catch up to you. So it's, um, it's another thing that we value and, and we want to make sure that our, our team has the opportunity to get as much sleep as they can. Yeah. I mean, it's just another step to show how much you guys obviously care. And that's the ultimate thing, all the energy, all the time, all those things, mm -hmm. just backing up the fact that you guys care and that goes a long way. Um, but yeah. at some point you got to make them hurt so that, you know, you, <laughs> you care in that way too. Let's dive into some sets, some training. Sure. Um, talk about the groups kind of being, uh, fluid. Uh, does, yeah. do, are you the primary coach for distance still? Um, Blair and I kind of, yeah, I, I think that there was a point in my life where that was what I did and that was my niche. Um, I have. I will say I, that you made distance swimming very cool for a lot, of, a that. lot of young swimmers, a lot of college yeah. swimmers. It, it was, you, right, maybe cool. you got pigeonholed a little bit, but you, yeah, cool that's stuff. okay. Yeah. It's uh, distance swimming is cool. I, um, something that I really have enjoyed being at Virginia is I've been able to coach so much more. I have guys that swim the 50, the hundred. I have swimmers that swim hundreds of stroke, two hundreds of stroke. I've really, honed in on the 400 IM. Um, and it's, we've had multiple all Americans in the four IM each year, but Blair and I kind of tag team on the distance. So, so that's fun. She'll write a big set. I'll write a big set. And, um, but we also, we coach so many different things and, um, it's, it's like you have a canvas and you get to paint on that canvas and I'm painting with a whole lot of colors and it's, I love it. Yeah, the statistics on your bio talking about having an Olympic trial qualifier in every event. Uh, what can't remember if it was a national qualifier, ACC finalist, or something like that in every single event yeah. is pretty 
remarkable the width of yeah. uh, of talents that you've worked with now. Yeah, it's um, well, believe it or not, <laughs> I've almost been coaching for twenty years now. So I've I've had an opportunity to work with a whole lot of athletes. I cannot believe I've almost worked in swimming for two decades, but um, I've learned a lot. And and I think that one thing that's that's important is to develop as a person, develop as a coach, and learn new things, learn from mistakes, and and be able to give more today than I would have been able to give five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. I think that's that's important. Will you give us an example of a 400 IM set that you've never done before this year, but you did this year and yep. was awesome? Yeah. We went, um, this was probably two months ago. We, um, we went 10 100s on 105 fly, then 10 100s on 105 back, 10 100s on 115 breaststroke, then 10 100s on a minute of um, freestyle. That's a pretty good set. I picked that up from Eddie. He, I think he gave it to the, the Foster place. So um, that, that was a heck of a set. Um, is there a pace goal or a stroke count limit when they're focusing on it? It's just make that. In we, we always have stroke count limits. We have underwater kick limits um, and, and stroke count limits. So we, we, we really hone in on distance per stroke. That's big deal. But um, I mean, there's a point where you just respect the work and kind of take that off. But um, it was impressive. I, um, that set yeah. works for Eddie because he has like <laughs> just a stable of stallions and like studs and, and you do too. Is it just one where you just give them that and some of them are just going after it and racing each other and all of a sudden the bar is raised and everybody's going fast at, you know, not just making the interval they're moving to yeah. is that how it's going at practice? I think, I think that especially if you kind of prep them for it, like, Hey, uh, we did it after our dual meet with Texas, which was so much fun. Um, we're going to see, see if we can have more. I, we're going to Texas this next year. So that, that'll be a blast. But um, we did it after that. And what I find is if you prep kids for a set, especially a hard set, like, hey, I have this set. I'd really like you guys to do it. Um, let's pick a day and let's nail it. And um, that way you're giving them ownership of it too. You're not just throwing it in their face and they, they've got, not that we don't do that. We definitely do. But I, I think that there are, there are times where it's really nice to, to give the swimmers ownership of, of things and, and give them an opportunity to figure out, okay, this, this, this is when I want to do it. Um, it's, uh, and they, they always step up. It's amazing. I know Todd was on with Brett, um, I think it was last spring or summer, and he talked about sure. a set that you all did in between ACCs and NC2As, I think. And it was okay. 50s on two-ish. Oh, we did that last week. Okay, so that's what I want to hear. Tell me about something oh that happened goodness. between ACCs and NC2As that's gone down so and amazing. We, Give us some times. We don't do a lot of uh... – don't do a lot of maintenance work in between those two weeks we kind of throw the we pull out workouts from october and we kind of throw the kitchen sink at them but um yeah we did our um we did our 2050s last week um i know i think gretchen was holding 23 lows 
it's just like backstroke. It's like, are you kidding me? Um, we, we had boys holding 21 lows, um, in, in freestyle. We had, um, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You'll see Kate holding 22s just consistently even. Um, but, uh, it's, that's a great, great set. And it's another one where sure they're not, <laughs> they're not dying to do it, like, but they're excited about it. And, their performance is important to them. Just to um, there's 2050s on two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2050s on two minutes short course, and um, yeah, it was. So I was coaching another workout during that, but I was on the bulkhead watching it and cheering them on, and um, yeah, they just go. It was. Um, it's so impressive every time we do it. So I'm gonna try to ask a question. I'm not exactly sure how to go about it and you know okay you talked a lot you talked a lot about it's not enough it's not a dig deep gotcha question it's trying to figure sure. out this angle of this question about you know we, we just see a lot of top level athletes at the olympics and stuff um struggling with the mental side of things and sure. you know you talk a lot about how competitive you are and every day mm-hmm. in practice there's something happening in one of the lanes around you that is swim swam worthy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It is something that people like me would just love to watch. Yeah. If you're not that person who's doing those times, how do you keep a good perspective on competition sure. when you're getting your butt kicked every day? Cause you're going against the best every single day. Well, I think that one thing that we do a nice job of promoting is we want everyone to be the best version of themselves. So there's context to everyone in the pool. Some of our fastest swimmers aren't our, our greatest trainers, um, but they, they step up when it's time to step up. So I think putting in context and that's where communication comes in. Speaking with the athletes before a workout, Hey, this is, this is what I think you can hold. This is what I'd like to see you hold. That'd be a hell of a workout. Like that's, that's, those are the conversations you have so that they are winning during the workout. And then you let them know it. Um, I think we we're really intense. Like our workouts are intense and it's not like screaming in your face and demeaning you intense. It's exciting intense. It's supporting you intense, but it's, we're yelling the whole time. We're up and down the pool, pool deck. Feedback's really important. We're blasting music over the speakers. Like, it's a show. And we love that. And people get up for it. They get hyped for it. And so we do see things every day that are just mind-blowing. And that's to the credit of the people that we have in the pool. Like, they love to step up. They love challenges. But I think what it also does is it breeds confidence. And Virginia is confident. That's, and a lot of that comes from Tata Sorbo. It's, um, he is, is just, the way he coaches, the way he conducts himself, you want to run through a brick wall for that man. And, um, and our, our athletes get to meet and they're not scared of anything. They're just, they just look at the competition and they say, let's go. Um, and I think that that's the time loops. It's really rare. And it's, it's been cool to watch and I've learned a lot from it, but I think that that 
to a degree explains our ability to perform at the highest level meets like an NCAAs, like a trials, like an Olympics. It's, um, we're not scared of you. <laughs> we're not scared of anything. How, how does a leader demonstrate that confidence and yet in today's day and age maintain vulnerability that is necessary to connect with this generation? They don't oh, for they're sure. not just listen to the bravado and the speech no. unless you're real with them. How, how, does he, yeah. how does he balance that? Well, Todd makes fun of himself a lot. <laughs> so it'll be, and he, he, he's so genuine. He's so authentic. So when, when he makes a mistake, He's the first one to say he made a mistake. I screwed up. Like, and I think that that makes you, you vulnerable. Or he'll tell stories about times that, that he's done something he wish he hadn't done. So he's, he's, he's a person. He walks, walks on the ground just like we do. He breathes the same air. But he's a confident person. And people latch onto that. And it's, um, it's infectious. And it's been infectious since our first day. And I can remember our first meeting with the team. Um, and we have all the coaches there. We have our athletic director there. And he's looking around the room. And, and he's, he looks at them and he says, there are Olympians in this room right now. There are Olympic medalists in this room right now. And a lot of people rolled their eyes in that room. And because you hear, you're going to hear that from every coach. Like, new coach walks in. We're going to have Olympians. But it's the way he conducts himself the way he talks, the way he supports people every day and shows he cares, that, um, that breeds that confidence. And he, he turned it into a reality. What do you think? I mean, you already are explaining it, so I'm just digging deeper on it. But what do you think he knows? Sure. He knows something, right? That's where confidence comes from. It's knowing sure. something that other people either don't know or you, yeah, somehow he knows something. What do you think it is that he knows? I think he's, he knows how to connect with people. I mean, he's, he's one of the most charismatic people I've ever met in my life. And, but I think he also has a work ethic that is, I, I, I haven't seen anything like it. I mean, he's, he's, he recruits harder than anybody. Like he's just, Constantly. And that's, that's not something you see from every head coach, but he's the first one there. He's the last one to leave. He's always willing to take responsibility on. He wants to know about everything that's going on. And I think when you have a work ethic like that, you, you trust it and you've, you, it will create success. Like it will, it will help you see success. And I think that he knows, so he knows he can connect with people he knows he can motivate people, but he also has the work ethic where he knows he's going to be successful. Yeah. It could create success. Uh, it could create burnout. Let's just be real. If you're careful, <laughs> yeah. it could it's be. true. Yeah, so I get it. How, I'm not going to, we can stop talking about Todd quite so much, but maybe you know this answer too. Like how's, how are you taking care of yourself? Cause now you got all of these great responsibilities. Question. You got to compete yeah. like your, your other coaches are or with recruiting. You got to, you know, be a, you know, yeah. like your other coaches, you got to be dadding, you got to be husbanding, you know, you got I all these, these hats to wear. How, yeah. you know, like, how are you keeping fit? I know that was always something that was a big part of uh, it is. Your, your life. So how are you keeping that as part of a priority? I think you, one, you have to be a great planner. <laughs> so I, I plan 
a lot. Like I look at my week and I know my spots. I know when I'm going to do this. You have to be able to call an audible real quick. I think you also just need to look at your life and decide what you value. And, and you may, we make time for, for things that we value. Um, it's the old saying, you want to know what someone cares about, look at their calendar and look at their checkbook. So, um, I, as I said, in the beginning, I have family time and that time is, that's a no fly zone. Like you're, you're not getting in on that unless it's something really, really important that needs to be dealt with right away. Um, I think that I, I have a, a good working schedule. So I, I work, I work from home a lot and I, I'm actually down in my kind of office man cave right now and I can crank out work, but as soon as I get home, I know I walk the dogs and then I am right on my computer cranking out work. So it's, um, it's, that's really important. I, I think it's being efficient with your time and planning. Um, but also having a schedule that allows you to enjoy yourself and have discretionary time. And so I really use my weekends to, to refresh, re-energize. I do find time to work out, probably not as much as I'd like to, probably not as much as I used to, but I do, I do find time to work out. And when, when do you we, work out through your day? Um, I try to work out um, before afternoon practice. So I kind of end the workout 20 minutes before afternoon practice. And if I get an hour in, that's awesome. Um, our staff is really good about working out. So it's, we, we, we all work out every day. So it's, um, I think that that's cool too. It's just part of what we do. And so um, we're really fortunate. We have a gym attached to the pool. So it's, it's the biggest rec facility on campus. So that's, it's pretty easy to just walk upstairs. We also during COVID bought some cardio equipment and weights in my balls. So we have that in our garage. So it's not hard to sneak out when, um, when I'm at home. Cool. So do you work out with Todd? I, I don't, I don't, it's <laughs> kind of a weird thing, but I don't like to work out with anybody. I work out alone. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty intense when I work out and I don't, I don't like, I'm, I'm not saying that Todd would hold me back, but I don't want anybody <laughs> holding me back. <laughs> I, I just go at it. I know what I want to do. I do it and I leave. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I do think that that's it, man. Todd, Todd's been swimming lately and he, uh, yeah, he's, he's been getting up and down the pool a little bit. Maybe, maybe I'll take a video and shoot that to you guys and you get an ex- exclusive video of Todd DeSorbo swimming. I'm a huge believer in that. I'm a huge believer in making that part of your workout regime. Yeah. It just helps it's a big deal. I don't know yeah. for him. And I think that that's a big reason why you guys were able to bring that energy. I joke with the kids at conference, but it's true. When, I'm, when I'm given all that energy, I'm like, this is the only thing I work out for. So yeah. this is, this I is try to, big me too. So I try to eat pretty healthy too. Pretty, pretty clean. Um, my wife's a great cook. Um, and, uh, sometimes, sometimes we cheat, but, um, always tastes really good when we do, but, uh, she's probably been a really good influence on me with the, with the eating. She, uh, she gives me the pizza and pasta and, but, um, she's a great cook and we prep meals on Sundays. So we'll go to the fridge, get those. And, um, so I, I think, I think you do have to take care of yourself. 
So, so right, now who's that? Somebody just came to my door. So, hold Got up. You. Sorry, Tyler. Hold up, real quick. No worries. I'm sorry. That's all right. We have a welcoming welcoming party here too. I was like watching this guy walk up the stairs and I'm just You knew what was gonna happen. I was like, oh no, here it comes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All good. Anyway, um no, I I feel like I had a similar transition when uh, mm-hmm. I started living with my now wife and started yeah. eating regular meals instead of just burritos and sandwiches for <laughs> So I definitely can yeah. relate to how that, you know, makes a big yeah. difference and definitely contributes to the overall energy and just makes you a better, yeah. more relatable coach um, mm-hmm. in order to be able to talk to your swimmers about those kind of pieces too when it comes to eating yeah. well and, and figuring that stuff out. Let's talk... Um, last kind of closing topic here. It's just, it's greatness. And, you know, we've talked and we've touched on it and I'm sure that you've already answered this question in a bunch of different ways throughout our 40 minutes already. But, um, what, what is the difference between good coach, great coach, good swimmer, great swimmer? Let's, let's kind of dive into a little bit of that because I feel like I've seen it. Um, so let's start with swimming difference between good swimmer and great swimmer i think that great swimmer sets the bar for themselves and it's they they never reach it they're they're never satisfied they're never content and they're constantly proactively looking for ways to get better constantly they're pretty ultra competitive and um i think that you have good swimmers that will do what they're told and and they do a great job with it and at times they'll 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 try to take on something else like i might have to hydrate more or eat better or i need to get more sleep but what i see with the ones that become great is they're obsessed with it they're obsessed with being great and it's cool it's it's not i think obsessed at times it has an unhealthy connotation this is this is good obsessed. This is um, where whatever they put their hands on, they 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 want to strike gold. They they want to have a Midas touch. Because the never satisfied piece is a long mm-hmm. issue, right? Like never satisfied. Yeah. You look at Jordan and you watched, you know, the last dance and stuff, and he still seems yeah. angry. He's great. He it, does. It's like no, he's I'm not sure that's healthy. He sacrificed his yeah. happiness for greatness. Yeah. Do you think that's yeah. necessary in that obsession? I don't. I don't because I've seen too many happy people that are successful and great. So it's, um, I think that that's a choice. I think that comes from appreciation. And I think that you need to stop at times and you need to look around and you need to appreciate, appreciate where you are, appreciate what you've been given and uh, appreciate what you've been able to accomplish and the people that have helped you along the way. And I think if you have that appreciation and that perspective, then you are going to walk around with a smile. And that's, that's what you want. Wise words, coach. Wise words. All right. What makes you a great coach? 
Thank Not you. a good coach, a great coach. <laughs> you, you have to connect with the people around you. You have to know them. I think the most important thing is you need to let them know that you care. Um, and if they know that you care and you have their back, they will do anything for you. It's, um, they, it's, I think that that's the, the same just with people. Um, people want to know that you care. And um, I think that it's, it's really, really important to um, take the time and go out of your way to let them know that. And um, I think we do a good job of that at Virginia. I, re I really do. And I think that it's one reason that, it, that our athletes are really bought into what we're doing. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. It, in the end, it's not really about times. It's not really about diving scores. It's not really about times. I tell, I tell kids that all the time. Like when they land a badass uh, internship in the summertime and, or they land a, just a great, great job, I care so much more about that. Um, it's just to see them go out and be uber successful and happy. And I tell them, I hope you still text me back in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah do they when ever text you and they they like oh yeah they need tyler they need their hype man for something <laughs> like an interview i don't know about that I, I i definitely hear from a lot of people i hear what's cool too is i i hear from parents as well um and i love that because i know my mom has told me this and i never really thought of it like once your kid is done swimming this whole world that you were a part of ends it comes to an end and um you know, we'll have parents of kids that swam, so alumni, um, and they'll come to dual meets and they'll they'll come to alumni weekends just because they want to be back with their friends and in that club. And it's um, I get it, I get it. Yeah, you got the care for the the athletes and a passion for the sport, so you definitely get it, Coach. And uh, I appreciate it. We really appreciate your time. I'm sure everybody who's listening has loved every minute of it. It's some great stuff, Tyler. Uh, so happy to see all the success and and it seems like it's just kind of getting rolling out there in Virginia. So good luck at NC2As and finishing out this short course. Thanks, my man. We're putting on the finishing touches right now. We're, uh, we're hoping to be great in Atlanta. Can't wait to watch. Best of luck, Coach. Talk to you next time. Thanks, Garrett. Have a good one. You've been listening to the Swim Swam Podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.